0: Chapter 16 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. I hope you don't think I have written too much about this already, for I have only been placing the board, as they say, You have asked me to tell you about the first steps in prayer, although God did not lead me by them, my daughters. I know no others, and even now I can hardly have acquired these elementary virtues. But you may be sure that anyone who cannot set out the pieces in a game of chess will never be able to play well. And if he does not know how to give check, he will not be able to bring about a checkmate. Now, you will reprove me for talking about games, as we do not play them in this house and are forbidden to do so. That will show you what kind of a mother God has given you. She even knows about vanities like this. However, they say that the game is sometimes legitimate, how legitimate it will be for us to play in this way, and if we play frequently, how quickly we will give checkmate to this divine king. He will not be able to move out of our check, nor will he desire to do so. It is the queen which gives the king most trouble in this game, and all other pieces support her. There is no queen who can beat this king as well as humility can, for humility brought him down from heaven into the virgin's womb, and with humility we can draw him into our souls by a single hair be sure that he will give most humility to him who has most already, and least to him who has least. I cannot understand how humility exists or can exist without love, or love without humility, and it is impossible for these two virtues to exist save where there is great detachment from all created things. You will ask my daughters why I'm talking to you about virtues when you have more than enough books to teach you about them and when you want me to tell you only about contemplation. My reply is that if you had asked me about meditation, I could have talked to you about it and advised you all to practice it, even if you do not possess the virtues. For this is the first step to be taken towards the acquisition of the virtues and the very life of all Christians depend upon their beginning it. No one, however lost a soul he may be, should neglect so great a blessing if God inspires him to make use of it. All this I have already written elsewhere, and so have many others who know what they are talking about, which I certainly do not. God knows that. But Contemplation, daughters, is another matter. This is an error which we all make. If a person gets so far as to spend a short time each day in thinking about his sins, as he is bound to do if he is a Christian in anything more than name, people at once call him a great contemplative. And then they expect him to have the rare virtues which a great contemplative is bound to possess. He may even think he has them himself, but he will be quite wrong. In his early stages, he did not even know how to set out the chessboard and thought that, in order to give checkmate, it would be enough to be able to recognize the pieces. But that is impossible, for this king does not allow himself to be taken except by one who surrenders wholly to him. Therefore, daughters, if you want me to tell you the way to attain to contemplation, do allow me to speak at some length about these things, even if at the time they do not seem to you very important. For I think myself that they are. If you have no wish either to hear about them or to practice them, continue your mental prayer all your life. But in that case, I assure you, and all persons who desire this blessing, that in my opinion, you will not attain true contemplation. I may, of course, be wrong about this, as I am judging by my own experience, but I have been striving after contemplation for 20 years. I will now explain what mental prayer is, as some of you will not understand this. God grant that we may practice it as we should. I am afraid, however, that if we do not achieve the virtues, this can only be done with great labor, although the virtues are not necessary here in such a high degree as they are for contemplation. I mean that the King of Glory will not come to our souls, that is, so as to be united with them, unless we strive to gain the greatest virtues. I will explain this, for if you once catch me out in something which is not the truth, you will believe nothing I say. And if I were to say something untrue intentionally, from which may God preserve me, you should be right. But if I did, it would be because I knew no better and did not understand what I said. I will tell you then that God is sometimes pleased to show great favor to persons Who are in an evil state, and to raise them to perfect contemplation, so that by this means he may snatch them out of the hands of the devil. It must be understood, I think, that such persons will not be in mortal sin at the time. They may be in an evil state, and yet the Lord will allow them to see a vision, even a very good one, in order to draw them back to himself. But I cannot believe that he would grant them contemplation. For that is a divine union in which the Lord takes his delight in the soul and the soul takes its delight in him. And there is no way in which the purity of the heavens can take pleasure in a soul that is unclean, nor can the delight of the angels have delight in that which is not his own. And we know that by committing mortal sin, a soul becomes the property of the devil and must take its delight in him since it has given him pleasure. And as we know, his delights, even in this life, are a continuous torture. My Lord will have no lack of children of his own in whom he may rejoice without going and taking the children of others. Yet, his majesty will do what he often does, namely, snatch them out of the devil's hands. O oh my Lord, how often do we cause thee to wrestle with the devil! "'Was it not enough that thou shouldest have allowed him to bear thee in his arms "'when he took thee to the pinnacle of the temple "'in order to teach us how to vanquish him? "'What a sight it would have been, daughters, "'to see this sun by the side of the darkness! "'And what fear that wretched creature must have felt, "'though he would not have known why, "'since God did not allow him to understand.' Blessed be such great pity and mercy. We Christians ought to feel great shame at making him wrestle daily in the way I have described with such an unclean beast. Indeed, Lord, thine arms had need to be strong, but how was it that they were not weakened by the many trials and tortures which thou didst endure upon the cross? Oh, how quickly all that is born for love's sake heals again. I really believe that, if thou hadst lived longer, the very love which thou hast for us would have healed thy wounds again, and thou wouldst have needed no other medicine. Oh my God, who will give me such medicine for all the things which grieve and try me? How eagerly should I desire them if it were certain that I could be cured by such a health-giving ointment? Returning to what I was saying, there are souls whom God knows He may gain for Himself by this means. Seeing that they are completely lost, His Majesty wants to leave no stone unturned to help them, and therefore, though they are in a sad way and lacking in virtues, He gives them consolations, favors, and emotions, which begin to move their desires, and occasionally even brings them to a state of contemplation, though rarely and not for long at a time. And this, as I say, he does because he is testing them to see if that favor will not make them anxious to prepare themselves to enjoy it often. If it does not, may they be pardoned. Pardon thou us, Lord, for it is a dreadful thing that a soul whom thou hast brought near to thyself should approach any earthly thing and become attached to it. For my own part, I believe that there are many souls whom God our Lord tests in this way, and few who prepare themselves to enjoy this favor. When the Lord does this, and we ourselves leave nothing undone either, I think it is certain that he never ceases from giving it until he has brought us to a very high degree of prayer. If we do not give ourselves to his majesty as resolutely as he gives himself to us, He will be doing more than enough for us if he leaves us in mental prayer and from time to time visits us as he would visit servants in his vineyard. But these others are his beloved children whom he would never want to banish from his side and as they have no desire to leave him he never does so. He sets them at his table and feeds them with his own food almost taking the food from his mouth in order to give it to them. Oh, what blessed care of us is this, my daughters. How happy we shall be if by leaving these few petty things we can arrive at so high an estate. Even if the whole world should blame you and deafen you with its cries, what matter? so long as you are in the arms of God? He is powerful enough to free you from everything, for only once did he command the world to be made, and it was done. With him, to will is to do. Do not be afraid, then, if he is pleased to speak with you, for he does this for the greater good of those who love him. His love for those to whom he is dear is by no means so weak. He shows it. Every way possible. Why then, my sisters, do we not show him love in so far as we can? Consider that he can do all things, and we can do nothing here below save as he enables us. And what is it that we do for thee, O Lord, our Maker? We do hardly anything at all, just make some poor weak resolution. And if his majesty is pleased that by doing a mere nothing, we should win everything. Let us not be so foolish as to fail to do it. Oh, Lord, all our trouble comes to us from not having our eyes fixed upon thee. If we only looked at the way along which we are walking, we should soon arrive. But we stumble. And fall a thousand times and stray from the way because, as I say, we do not set our eyes on the true way. One would think that no one had ever trodden it before, so new is it to us. It is indeed a pity that this should sometimes happen. I mean, it hardly seems that we are Christians at all or that we have ever in our lives read about the Passion Lord, help us that we should be hurt about some small point of honor. And then when someone tells us not to worry about it, we think he is no Christian. I used to laugh or sometimes I used to be distressed at all the things I heard in the world and sometimes for my sins and religious orders. We refuse to be thwarted over the very smallest of precedents. Apparently, such a thing is quite intolerable. We cry out at once, Well, I'm no saint. I used to say that about myself. God deliver us, sisters, from saying we are not angels, or we are not saints, whenever we commit some imperfection. We may not be, but what a good thing it is for us to reflect that we can be if we only try, and if God gives us his hand, Do not be afraid that he will fail to do his part if we do not fail to do ours. And since we come here for no other reason, let us put our hands to the plow as they say. Let there be nothing we know of which it would be a service to the Lord for us to do and which with his help we would not venture to take in hand. I should like the kind of venturesomeness to be found in this house as it always increases humility. We must have holy boldness, for God helps the strong, being no respecter of persons, and he will give courage to you and to me. I have strayed far from the point. I want to return to what I was saying. That is, to explain the nature of mental prayer and contemplation. It may seem irrelevant, but it is all done for your sakes. You may understand it better, as expressed in my rough style, than in other books which put it more elegantly. May the Lord grant me his favor, so that this may be so. Amen.